Hello, hush geldenies. We're back in the studio. We're back with our bad trip. Our first bad trip. This is part two. This is the first time we've done a podcast in um, two parts. Some would say it's something we should have done before. There have been podcasts which have been, I think, pushing the limits of an acceptable length. Um, and now, in fact, the, I would say that the first part of this podcast was itself pushing the limits of acceptable length. So we haven't really solved that problem by splitting it into two parts. But um, as always, we're striding boldly forth. Join Core Podcast knows no boundaries. We will push all of the limits of acceptability or some of them. How are you? Are you all very well? This is uh, slightly strange. It's only been um, it's been less than a day since I recorded the last one. It, I won't put it out until Monday because I don't want to oversaturate the drawing. Um, but yeah, you know, I was um, I got a bit stuck. In um, consumer culture today, so I um, was looking to potentially get a a new game games console because of the coronavirus. All the games consoles are sold out everywhere, and the ones that are available tend tend to have been had prices. Their prices have been raised crazy amounts almost double their um, original like recommended retail price and I spent such a long time this morning looking at one and jumping from website to website to see if it was available to see if I could find one to see how much it would be and then this evening I spent another long period of time looking at another console thinking oh well if I can't get that one maybe I'll get this one I don't need either of these things. I have a games console with unplayed games on my shelf. And yet, I found by the end of the day that what I'd actually become to start enjoying was the sort of thrill of the wild goose chase. Like jumping onto a new website and seeing like, oh fuck, they're all sold out again. And there was something thrilling about the fact that they'd all been bought. I was just enamoured by the the purchasing that has been going on, and what a what a boring thing, what a rubbish thing to be enamoured by. You know, unnecessary, shallow, materialistic, and and downright and 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 just just boring. You know, we've got this weird film that we're talking about halfway through talking about. I'm quite looking forward to jumping back into this podcast and you know that's a, that's a good two hours of my day I've spent doing doing that and it's not even you know time wasted in the sense that we've been kind of advocating for wasted time on the podcast this is time given to consumer culture you know it's I, I'm just I'm only valuing the idea of purchasing in this in this time wasting 
I'm implicitly supporting this system and it's fucking crazy I can I can go on stock websites I can set up notifications on my phone so it tells me when there's new stock on other websites there are already plenty of websites I can look through because there are so many shops so many potential places I can buy this shit and there are places that do price comparisons and there's a marketplace like marketplaces like eBay where everybody can sell stuff and oh mama oh dear me oh little sweet cherry pie there's a lot of capitalism going on out there but we knew that anyway now onto stuff we don't know or well we do because we've already been through um, altered states that's where we're at we're at we're at today we're at um, altered states uh, our first installment of our psychedelic horror film club which we've called bad trips and the last the first part we um, talked a little bit about the exciting drama that the uh, writer of the film um, delivered unto his colleagues by being a bit of a controlling what's it and um, then we went through the plot of the film we just described what happened uh, in the film and we made a few comments here and there and then we talked then we got we went on a bit of a big tangent talking about John C. Lilly who's the, the scientist upon which the film is based who did a lot of work with isolation tanks and talking, trying to talk to dolphins and uh, and jerks and we're gonna we're gonna go back into him in a second just to finish up and to lead us back to the film and then we're gonna talk about a few readings of the film and we'll go we'll bring up again all this all the ne necessary um, stuff what did happen in the film in order to fulfill our readings so don't worry if you didn't catch the first part you're not going to be um, you, you don't need to listen to it um, equally if you if you feel like you want all that fully fledged full fat altered states discussion beanbag then um, then go check it out it's on the drawing core places the places where there is drawing core which is all the places some of it happens automatically it's on Google Podcasts I didn't put it there Google just took it and put it there without anybody asking so here is a poetry film review of Altered States wasn't necessarily going to share this not sure it's very good that's not uh, the introduction to a poem that you usually want to hear but the reason I don't think it's very good is because uh, uh, upon doing further reading into the film I thought you know what there's more interesting things that I could have written a poetry film review about but this is this is the poetry film review of Altered States and it's going to be a good one it's going to be a good he headline to get us into this this uh, today's episode just when you thought it was about drugs it became about headstrong masculinity just when you thought it was about headstrong masculinity it became about neo-colonialism 
just when you thought it was about neo-colonialism, it became about the baggage of being human. Just when you thought it was about the baggage of being human, it became a creature feature. Just when you thought it was a creature feature, it blew open the boundaries of realities and flooded concepts with the unknowable. Just when you thought it was blowing open the boundaries of realities and flooding concepts with the unknowable, it turned out to be about the importance of being grounded in the imperfection of love. So that takes you through quite a few of the themes in the film and in, and in the readings that we're going to do. So, um, Altered States is about a, um, a scientist what is doing experiments with a psychoactive substance that he got from a witch doctor in Mexico and he's taking that in isolation tanks and he's interested in um, the genetic regression that is uh, he sees as, as, as possible basically because he believes we have you know six billion years of history in our DNA And he's sort of trying to unlock it, and um, oh, in the film, he he like the the big the, the first big trip, he ends up regressing into an actual ape, and going on a bit of a rampage, hence creature feature, in the poem, and then the last big trip, he nearly becomes a kind of pre pre organism non-entity and nearly slips back into oblivion and he's saved at the last moment so the person who is um, the, the biggest influence for this character of the scientist is John C. Lilly and we talked about him last episode I'm going to play now a bit of a, a bit of a hymn talking a bit of a hymn talking to uh get us back into the mind of these crazy scientists and their crazy ideas about um, drugs and stuff. Well, the soul is that part of your physical self which has joined the spirit but carries the karma of the body with it. The spirit has no karma. The spirit can move forward and backward in time and move into other dimensions and neglect the karma. The soul cannot. The soul carries, the, when it leaves the body, it carries the karma of the body with it. And hence it comes up against other souls and reenacts past or even future conflict. Spirit has no conflict. It's all beautifully, totally in love. We might, you know what we do, we might, we might put that at the start of the podcast as well. So you've, you've got a bit of a lead in. Um, so that was uh, John C. Lilly, and that's the kind of um, stuff that he was espousing after his um, prolonged experiences with LSD and, and particularly ketamine. He was a big fan of ketamine and um, was some of the stuff that he got out of that. Now this is this is this is as a bit of a contrast to what um, Eddie Jessup in Altered States is after, but. 
This is what Lily has to say about the film. The scene in which the scientist becomes cosmic energy, that's the last bit I was talking about, and his wife grabs him and brings him back to human form is straight out of my book, Diactic, Diadic Cyclone. As for the scientist's regression into an ape-like being, that's the other trip I was talking about, the late Dr. Craig Enright, who started me on ketamine while taking a trip with me here by the isolation tank, suddenly became a chimp, jumping up and down and hollering for 25 minutes. Watching him, I was frightened. I asked him later, where the hell were you? He said, I became a pre-hominid and I was in a tree. A leopard was trying to get me, so I was trying to scare him away. So this is very close to what we see in the film. So let's talk a little bit about um, psychedelic research. In the film, Eddie Jessup starts from the suggestion that man is just one of many potential states of consciousness. And he's particularly interested in this because schizophrenics seem to be um, existing in like alternative states of consciousness. And uh, he's interested in sort of breaking down the idea that these are just broken consciousnesses and suggesting that in fact there are there are alternative consciousnesses and he goes a bit further to suggest that there is a sort of true self which um, sends him right back into this uh, you know like cosmic energy form which is perhaps his his kind of tragic tragic not very tragic but his his fatal flaw is his determination to go all the fucking way so dedicated to the the great truth is he that he nearly pops out of existence so he does have a kind of one state that he kind of wants to reach during his experiments but the idea that um, there are many potential states of consciousness is kind of, I, I think, something that we might see is alive in philosophy and psychology at the moment. So a friend has a particular research uh, paper that they're doing and um, I'm only not sharing their name because I, I don't do that on this podcast. but. Um, They've introduced me to the idea that um, all of these non-normative experiences, which we might call hallucinations, or we might call psychosis, schizophrenia, drug-induced trips, whatever, rather than um, labelling them as something um, broken and uh, wrong, we, sh by recognizing them as simply an alternative state, so by recognizing the voices that people might hear, not as something wrong with their brain, but as voices, like as what they appear to be, we have a much better chance of understanding them, treating them, dealing with them. And this is a practice which is happening now. So there's a group in UK called Hearing Voices. If you are someone who hears voices you can join this group and they help people to 
works through their problems not by trying to suppress the voices or say that it's somehow wrong that you hear voices but by listening to the voices and working out <coughs> what are the underlying reasons for hearing that voice what is the voice trying to say to you this kind of stuff so I think this is a really exciting part of the film's idea um, in expanded consciousness and um, or expanded states of consciousness or altered states of consciousness there's the title of the film guys um, you know that bit in the film where they, they say the title when you're like oh yeah Mm. Anyway, so that's very exciting and, and like it's psychedelic research. Um, I mentioned uh, last episode that like since about 1970 and Richard Nixon's war on drugs, which is taken up I think by the UN, so it's sort of this international war on drugs as it were, um, psychedelics have been given this awful reputation which was much more to do with... Um, demonizing certain groups of uh, especially anti-war protesters and uh, black Americans it, the idea was really to demonize them and by by um, not only illegalizing but uh, creating a kind of fear around certain drugs allowed allowed the, the, the state to oppress those groups who associated themselves especially with psychedelics after the 60s and people got into psychedelics and they became countercultural they wanted to suppress people through by by using by using that way in basically so the facts on these drugs were wildly distorted and since the 70s they've had a huge an awful reputation for reasons that are not entirely fair before that time there was about 15 years of research into psychedelics and uh, as of to, as of now um, there has been another 15 years of psychedelics and those previous 15 years way back in the 60s and 70s were, were well, 50s, 60s, 70s somewhere around that time were crazy CIA feeding people loads of acid type unethical experiments and as we saw last week um, John C. Lilly's uh, experiments with dolphins I'm not sure if I mentioned last week but yes he did give dolphins acid so um, psychedelic research now is being used to treat mental health issues so there's a um, I've mentioned it a lot of times the Blind Boy podcast, which I highly recommend. He has an interview about this with Dr. Paul Lichnitsky, and uh, uh, Dr. Paul Lichnitsky is doing research into psychedelics to treat mental health issues in Australia. And this is a kind of new field; it's very slow going. But um, what they're really doing is uh, using. Uh, LSD trips or psilocybin trips which is the active chemical in magic mushrooms um, not all mushrooms but in the ones that are generally magic mushrooms would be uh, liberty caps or 
they all have psilocybin in their Latin name. So the psilocybin or the LSD trips uh, are supplemented by intensive therapy. So there is in fact therapists there with with the person when they're experiencing this trip. Uh, they also use uh, MDMA as well, ecstasy. So these substances are used in conjunction with a lot of therapy, a lot of work with therapists before, after and during the experience. So, and they're used to treat things like depression. They're not used to treat schizophrenia, which is contraindicated. Like, the, uh, even though there is this um, connection between like schizophrenia, schizophrenics having a kind of altered state of consciousness, it's a contraindication for using drugs, perhaps because of that. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure, but they, they don't use it to treat schizophrenia. Is all I know. So there's the departure there from altered states, and in, you know, in altered states, that he's trying to induce um, altered states. He's trying to induce a trance in order to study interior experiences. Whereas uh, the, the real research that is going on with psychedelics is more to use uh, trance as a kind of supplementary way to work through real life experiences. But one thing that does connect them is um, it, what connects uh, Lichnitsky and uh, Edward Jessup in the film is Lichnitsky's belief in the central importance of the experience. So he talks about how it mustn't be underestimated how important it is to try and understand and get to grips with the nature of the experience even though it's something ephemeral something really hard to explain or to communicate there is something very important about the experience not just uh, the kind of you can't just you know like measure brain waves and measure the results of the of the experiment as a whole the so, so for example previous um, experiments may not may have been carried out in like you know cold doctors offices with strip lighting this is not how Lichnitsky does his experiments he does them in very comfortable rooms with music the person who is under like, is, is gonna is gonna take the drug is part of the process of creating a comfortable space because he recognizes that the subtleties of creating a positive experience are as important as anything else. And in this film, the real thing that uh, Eddie Jessup is interested in is interior experiences, mystical states, dream states, and religious allegory. He says religious experience is so significant in schizophrenia. Um, and this is this is the kind of stuff that he gets out of the isolation tank at the beginning and then he's continuing to look for and sort of being pushed further and further down that path so in the beginning he in some of his uh, trips he re-experiences his father's death and the attached loss of religion so he used to have um, religious visions when he was young until he was 16 when his father died and he, he stopped believing in God. So those are early visions 
provoked, stimulated his interest in this kind of shit. Um, but he, what the moment he goes back to is not those early visions, but to that uh, death of his father. And this is very, I mean, he has all kinds of Freudian ring bells and whistles about it. Um, but uh, like to focus on something that I think is particularly interesting is because we're asking ourselves like what is he really interested in what is he going after and um, given the fact that he goes back to that moment of his father's death perhaps he just is interested in death and just he says that just before he died his father said the word terrible and he says so at the end of all life suffering is just more suffering so there's no God and this might explain why he can't love he cannot tell his partner that he loves her he kind of gets annoyed with the trappings of normal life and he wants to push more he says that he's just unsatisfied with it and at the end of the film uh, after he's been through his final experience he says that he becomes aware of this terrible nothing and he becomes aware that in fact the final truth is that there is no final truth he is a big, throbbing cynic, this guy. And he kind of maybe proves himself right. Like, you know, his father said terrible. That's what he believed. At the end of the day, that's what he found. Because maybe you find what you're looking for. But he also talks about um, the respect he has for yogic practices especially Buddhism, because there is no God other than the self. So the religious has been localized. And he says, ever since we dispense with God, we've got nothing but ourselves to explain this meaningless horror of life. So in fact, he's searching for true self, which he thinks is kind of real, measurable, incarnate. So like I said, he's pursuing this sort of true state, which is, um, something primordial, something original, something common to everybody. So one of the reasons he's so interested in going down to Mexico and taking drugs with these witch doctors is that the uh, the drug they're taking they call the, the, the first flower, like the primordial flower, the most ancient flower which apparently evokes old memories. And apparently it's a shared experience, like everyone who takes this has a similar, or has the same experience. So this kind of stimulates all the things that he's um, interested in, in searching for that true original self. And uh, the description of the trip before it happens by the, um, by the, I think it's Bruja, by the witch doctor. He says, your soul will return to the first soul the unborn soul. Then you will propel into the void. You will see a spark that will become a crack. This is the crack between the nothing. And out of this nothing will come your unborn soul. So there's something circular in this, in my, in my, uh, in my reading talking about going back to the beginning where you will be born again 
and Eddie Jessup seems to want to just push back and back and back until he's gonna kind of lose his lose himself so he doesn't really want to come back he's sort of running away rather than seeing this loop uh, like he's he's gonna go back to the, the point of his beginning so he is still connected to that is my my idea about what the witch doctor is saying there so it's said that they're using Amanita muscaria which is the fly agaric mushroom but it appears that they're using ayahuasca um, but uh, there's a passage that I found from a, uh, a book about altered, called Altered Consciousness in the 20th Century and it says that Eddie's journey to central Mex Mexico for a mushroom ceremony with the Hinchy Indians recapitulates the biography of R. Gordon Wasson whose experiences with the Mixateco people of the region were first popularised in his 1957 Life magazine article Seeking the Magic Mushroom. Now Wasson speculated that the mushroom experience constituted the spiritual core of all world religions, a thesis he would develop further in a couple of other books. The mushroom experience differs from that of the tank insofar as it implicates an allotechnological other. Moreover, as in the case of the Hinchy ceremony, the mushroom is regarded by some as a deity and separate intelligence in contrast to LSD, which was understood more as a means of self-othering. Hence Wasson's later adoption of the term F -F entheogen, God generated within, instead of psychedelic from the, for the mushroom. So this is kind of reaching to the idea that bet between psychedelic experiences there are some which self other so you kind of identify yourself with an other so it's sort of inward focused but it's inward focused in the sense that you lose that sense of self and it disperses the other way around is, is something coming from the self out into the world and therefore you might think of the psych psychoactive substance you're taking as a kind of god because it's separate from you and it's sort of giving you this wisdom or something so the eddie's trip seems very much concerned with the self but unlike those two types of psychedelic experience eddie sort of wants to prove this original self to be god he kind of craves for there to be a god but desperately believes there isn't one so this may be why he gets stuck just deconstructing himself and deconstructing himself. And so particularly he's interested in genetic regression, like going back. So there's a book called Evolution in the Four Dimensions that I found, didn't really read, but um, four dimensions of evolution are genetic, which is kind of what we, um, what we understand from like our our genes norm uh, like normally when we speak of evolution we speak of genetic evolution really how our genes are passed down from generation to generation also behavioral things uh, we evolve behaviorally we kind of learn things um, over generations and we become adapted to certain behaviors and symbolic which is transmission through language or other forms of symbolic communication so that's maybe the 
external stuff that we inherit from other generations before us and then epigenetic and this is something that I think is really interesting and maybe most relatable to what Eddie Jessup is going for so he's really going through like actual genetic regression but um, I'm not gonna entertain the idea that we can really turn back into monkeys but the idea that we could somehow imagine ourselves reimagine ourselves as our ancestors or re-experience our ancestry is definitely an idea that holds water with a lot of people and there are and, and, and Carl Jung thought that we're, we our genes are imprinted with memories and experiences of our ancestors and there's the idea of intergenerational trauma and the transmission of historical oppression and um, there have been experiments with uh, rats which prove which which suggest that um, uh, some previous generations passed down uh, knowledge of mazes like the descendants of rats that know how to run a certain maze are better at that maze and also that um, certain smells certain um, this dislike of certain smells gets passed on also into their into descendants in rats so there is this stuff and, and this is i think generally what we're talking about or what we could what is interesting to talk about anyway is epigenetic evolution so this is non-dna cellular transmission of traits as i understand it and i'm not a geneticist by the way our genes are turned on by these things called um, proto-memes, that's not what they're called, they're called something similar to that, but um, oh, look, let's just get the word because I can't go calling it proto-memes, that's just not a thing, is it? Um, phenotypes, that's it forget proto-memes we're on phenotypes so there are phenotypes which attach themselves to our cells uh, to the DNA in our cells and they kind of turn on and off our chromosomes so rather than actually changing the gene structure which is underlying changes the gene expression so the fucking phenotypes phenotypes are kind of on-off switches for different genes so they express themselves or they suppress themselves and then we then we as humans become our individual selves with all of the on-offs of our genes so the idea that we inherit things through our genes is one form of evolution but the idea we could inherit epigenetically we could inherit through these phenotypes some kind of behavior of our genes is um, is new research is not very well known but is as a, as I was sort of demonstrating very kind of interesting bit of a digression from the film but he's on about genetic regression that's that's where that's where I understand we're at as a as um, humans with thinking about 
genetic regression in like in real terms and I've got again not a geneticist but and I'm not sure if I got this right but we're gonna just bear with me if you're born in a body that is um, usually going to be assigned female you take an X chromosome from your mother and an X chromosome from your father and if you're a boy you take X from your mum and you take Y from your father so you have XY if you're a boy XX if you're a girl but if you're a girl and I know that you're, this is assigned female at birth but just a sim just assigned female at birth XX but it's not that both those X's are expressed in fact one is turned off so one is modulated by a phenotype so that only one X expresses so I think I think it, you know I mean I'm sure the body knows what it's doing that's probably a good thing for making those female male body types that we uh, know and love so well but could we do you think through phenotype manipulation create double females I mean potentially no like that's my my logic my logic features tell me that that's that's that makes sense in hypothetically there's just something to muse on anyway so um yeah in the film uh jessup's genetic history stuff starts with the idea that schizophrenics somehow have the potential or the desire to change themselves physically our atoms are all six billion years old we've got six billion years of memory in our minds and memory is energy it doesn't disappear so he has the energy in his history to actually change his physical self to express those old old forms of, of humanity that exist in his genes let's do Let's end our readings, right, with this. I'm going to attempt to, to queer this film, to do a queer reading. This is a queering altered states. So what, what is a queer reading? Well, a queer reading, or, or if we're going to say we're going to queer this text, essentially it's looking at it from a queer perspective, right? But it's also actually trying to read in queerness into the text. So it's not necessarily about... It's a kind of, um, what do you call it? I think, I think, I think this is where we'd use the term post-structuralist, but don't, I'm not take that, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not an expert, I'm not a geneticist, I'm not a sociologist, I'm not a trombone player. Post-structuralism, I think, is about the idea that there's not there's not a single truth to anything so we can kind of read our own truths into texts so it's not the intention is to not figure out what is queer about a text but to kind of 
look at it in a queer way so that you could potentially see it as queer. So we're not trying to, like if you're doing um, queer, like kind of queering in a historical sense, you're not necessarily trying to prove that this or that historical figure was homosexual, but you might be just trying to break the idea that he, he or she was, or they were by default heterosexual. So it's a kind of game you're playing. So we're playing a game by queering this. So um, I think it's quite exciting. And in fact, you know, there isn't, and we start, we'd like, we're mainly gonna start, do this with gender and sexuality, but we could go a bit further into a broader idea of queer theory about binaries, about breaking categories, and could definitely talk about the idea of, and we have already a little bit, about the idea of there not being a correct state of consciousness we could see that in a queer way like like opening up more potential states of consciousness as equally valid not uh, assigning one normal um, but what I want my queer reading that I want to do is there's, there's no homosexuality in the film and in fact there's a kind of sickly heterosexual ending as there are in a, far too many films where they're kind of Eddie and his wife are saved by their love and it just doesn't it doesn't really stick from like all of what they've gone through he's being defiantly an arsehole for at least eight years now and uh, and and yeah It, it just kind of wraps things up a little bit too neatly in my mind but to think about gender Apparently, according to Wikipedia, Chayefsky, the writer of the film, decided to write a serious film on the American scientific community and the archetypal man in his search for his true self. And Eddie does say, I'm not a wacko, I'm a man in pursuit of his true self. How archetypically American can you get? Chayefsky is known for his satire. There's the network I mentioned last time, the satire of the television industry, hospital, which I haven't seen, but is a satire of the healthcare system. This is much more of a satire than perhaps his first, perhaps it's obvious on the surface. And we, we talked, we mentioned a review that talks about, last time we mentioned a review that talks about how the sort of seriousness of the content doesn't necessarily match the craziness of the direction and it makes it seem a bit facetious and sort of smug but maybe this actually works for the benefit of the satire because what we're seeing is we're seeing Americana like I, I archetypically archety- archetype of American pursuit of his true self we're seeing the scientific community and we're seeing archetypal man and I'm my that's my stress here to deciding like this is about gender in our queer reading this is about men and science and America and it's a satire of these things so it presents a kind of in, uh, exaggerated negative version of this stuff in order to in order to poke fun at it so let's just listen to um, Mason, remember, pl- played by um, Charles Haig, don't forget. He, uh, 
he gets angry at Eddie after he um, after he comes out of his uh, trip saying that um, he regressed into a simian form and he gets an x-ray taken of his of his jaw and Eddie's like look you see it's not a human that jaw and uh, Mason's like I'm gonna show these to a radiologist you're wrong you're just crazy I'm gonna show these someone who can read them right because you're reading them wrong that's all there is to it because <laughs> no one's gonna tell me you de-differentiated your goddamn genetic structure for four goddamn hours and then reconstituted I'm a professor of endocrinology at the Harvard <laughs> Medical School. I'm an attending physician at the Peter Bent Brigham Hospital. I'm a contributing editor to the American Journal of Endocrinology, and I'm a fellow and vice president of the Eastern Association of Endocrinologists and president of the Journal Club. And I'm not going to listen to any more of your capitalistic, quantum, friggin' dumb, limbo, bumbo, jumbo. I'm going to show these to a radiologist. So this is, you know... This is our presentation of a very negative, scientific man. And it's pretty common with Eddie as well. And Eddie is kind of presented as this grandly selfish, self-sacrificial dude. And he, he is framed in light when he enters the party where he meets his wife. Like he comes to the doorway and it's just white light around him, like some kind of saintly mm, hero and he's again framed in light in Mexico when he enters the cave where he's going to take the drugs so it's kind of this and, and, and his, his, his um, f especially the visions at the start of the film are so much to do with Christ that there is a sense that he is seeing himself as this Christ-like figure but maybe we can say that it's so over the top that it is in fact, you know, criticizing this masculinity. And Eddie's uh, flaw is not only to be p pursuing this goal in a kind of uh, narrow-sighted, narrow arrogant, selfish way, but also that he's in doing this he's pushing other people away he can't say he loves his wife he can't he struggles with emotional expression and with sort of true and interpersonal vulnerability he has some moments of um, sharing his sharing his earlier life and about his dad dying but there's something a little bit um, inauthentic about that vulnerability when it comes to really talking about his current feelings he can't he really can't do it and that's made of that's that's drawn attention to throughout the film and he it, the film ends his redemption is being able to say that he loves his wife when he does talk about his troubled past it's a little bit dramatic like it kind of still adds to his grand selfish self-sacrificial scientific hero and um, I mentioned in the last episode uh, where we talked about the film that um, the Emily his wife we, we don't get any empathy from her and she's kind of presented as a character who is subjugated by Eddie throughout the film which is pretty common sort of hetero 
relationships presented on screen because misogyny is the reality that we live in in this society in Western and US uh, society especially like in the 80s it would have been perhaps even uh, even more um, open because there have been gains made in the name of feminism since then the only little bit of empathy we get from em Emily near the end is broken apart by Arthur and Mason two of the other main men in the film shouting at each other that's how that that scene kind of ends so we see how she's been kind of trampled we see how Eddie pushes her and others away we see how he's unable to express himself emotionally and be vulnerable all of these things that are kind of when we talk about toxic masculinity which we should really do a podcast on at some point we'll get there don't you worry when we talk about toxic masculinity those might all be kind of um qualities that we that we end up talking about and there's a kind of connection between science here you know there's a sort of steadfastness a fiercely logical determination and a, a lack of empathy or a, a kind of lack of consideration to what's around just instead just like narrow-mindedly pursuing a goal is kind of maybe like stereotypical idea of science and certainly of, of America and certainly of masculinity these things all kind of link together and let's hear to kind of round this off let's hear Eddie expressing this shit expressing his worst side as it were and you hear a little bit of Emily's attempt to kind of placate him and you hear how kind of to be fair if I was her I'd be a bit pissed off and I would not handle this situation quite as well as it sounds like she does. At least look at my data. Of course, uh, maybe tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow afternoon. Don't patronize I'm me, not... it's just possible, I'm not mad, you know. I'm asking you to make a small quantum jump with me to accept one deviant concept, that our other states of consciousness are as real as our waking state, and that that reality can be externalized. Screaming. I know, but I've been getting this patronizing shit from Arthur and Mason for three months now, and I'm sick of it. We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. We may have demonstrated a whole new force in nature. For God's sake, don't you agree it merits further investigation? We've got all the tapes, notes and everything at my place. What time would you like to come over and look at this stuff tomorrow? Two, 2.30? Two I just want to get the girls. I'll be right back. As I mentioned last time, he has a family with Emily and she's the only one who does any family stuff. Uh, in fact, both, neither of them seems to do that great job, to be honest. But um, she is there, you know, she gets that little moment where she's presented as someone who holds it all together under the coercion of this guy who is kind of forcing her, you know, trying to force her to be on his side and do what he wants to do listen to follow him down this fucking path and listen to what he believes and there is a and some you know maybe she's she's the real hero of this story you know because she manages to be with him the whole time 
and pull him out at the end and we just kind of the whole film is us watching this toxic masculine American scientist flounder about in this without really respecting the tradition of the Mexican tribe that he goes to visit without really um, being in touch with what he wants to find out without really considering those around him or being patient or calm and all these things and he nearly destroys himself and we might think about this being a kind of modern retelling of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde which is for sure part of the idea of the film and I'm not going to go into that because we've done a fucking hour and that's like more than two hours talking about this film who knows if this film deserves that but I sure enjoyed it I hope that you did and I'm really gonna just stop talking now because you've you've done you've thank you you know you've stuck with this if you're listening to this now for a good two hours and I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye with um, another psychedelic song but different from the last one this one by infected mushroom and it's called bass nipple and it's uh, it's got a good funk to it so you can have a little groove hopefully around your podcast listening area if you haven't watched altered states and you want to check it out um you've you've had it spoiled to you now so you know uh good for you for still wanting to watch it but um if you can't find a way to watch it then send us an email drawing court at riseup.net we can maybe hook you up um and we are going to do another bad trips bad trips number two and it's going to be uh, toad road again if you want to watch this then hit us up for uh, trying to find it um it is an american independent film and it is about a girl who joins a group of it's made in 2012 by the way much more modern we're jumping ahead like 32 years from altered states but you we're going to see the parallels it has there's a woman a, a young woman who joins this group of few group of friends who are very very into their different kinds of drugs and she gets very seriously into drugs and specifically into this mythical place called toad road which is supposedly the road to hell and um a little bit like Edward Jessup she becomes quite steadfast in what she wants to pursue and uh, tries to bring her friend with her to Toad Road and it's a little it's a little bit more scary than Altered States in my opinion um, it's more modern maybe that's why I think that as well and it's got uh, quite a cool like choppy camera work presenting these um crazy kids who are doing all these drugs and it's perhaps not so innovative i've heard said of those parts because we've seen lots of those type of characters in american independent films but i think for my money for the characters who i've seen who are like that in american independent cinema this is pretty interesting presentation of them it's quite well done and it's nicely done and it builds very well into the horror and then there's a kind of denouement kind of long piece at the end of the film which is sort of trying to process that horror 
so I hope you enjoy that if you get a chance to watch it probably gonna do that in one week so um, on the what date will that be Monday the 20th of April we'll have our podcast about Toad Road and we'll try and keep it just to one part and a little bit less than two hours or a lot less than two hours and yeah, if you want to try and find how to watch Toad Road then send us an email we'll try and help you out um, we'll make another event on Facebook thank you for joining us again we'll be back on Friday with another podcast not about psychedelic horror films take care of yourself be compassionate to yourself be compassionate to other people opurum sizi seviorum sizi had quite a high energy podcast there I talked quite a lot quite fast fair amount of um, energy animation going on there so go have a lie down (laughs) enjoy the song (laughs) and um, yeah we'll see you soon hadi bye bye